today, this is the culmination of, of so much uh, in, in history. And it's even the culmination of, you know, this uh, fast that we have been observing through the Lent period. You know, today the fast is over. <laughs> Praise God. And, and we celebrate that Christ is risen. Today, you know, um, is, is, is Easter, but all week long we've been observing Holy Week. You know, it started last week with Palm Sunday, and Pastor Russell preached to us about that and how there's these defining moments that Jesus faced, and there's defining moments that you and I face, and even today we're facing a defining moment with what we do with the resurrection. And throughout the events of this week, there's, there's a couple of just key components to this week. And one of those is we celebrated on Friday, we, we celebrated Good Friday, and we observed our Lord's death. And we had a, a, an amazing service at the Grove on Friday. It was very special, and if you were there, you, you know what I'm talking about. It was just, um, for some of us, it was a very different environment that we've never been in a service like that. But regardless, uh, it was just, there was a sweet spirit there as we re-entered the story of the crucifixion. But we didn't leave hopeless because we knew that today was coming. And you know, the darkness of Good Friday just makes Easter shine even brighter, praise God. And so there's the Good Friday part, and here we are on Easter Sunday celebrating our Lord's resurrection. And the thing that I want us to talk about today is how I think a lot of people identify with the events on Friday, but I'm not really sure if people really fully understand the Sunday part. You know, Friday is the day that Jesus did something that no one else could ever do for you. He took all of your sin, he took all of my sin, he took all of the sins of the world upon him, and he paid your sin debt for you. See, all of us have sinned, Romans tells us, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there is a penalty for sin, and that penalty is death. And on Friday... Jesus stepped into the courtroom of your life. On that Good Friday, he stepped into the courtroom of my life, and he settled that score. He took upon him the sentence that was supposed to be given to you, the sentence that was supposed to be given to me. And this was a, a display of love. It was a display of great love, but it wasn't just that. And it was a display of great power, but it wasn't just power either. There was something else beyond these things that was happening. There was a legal transaction that was happening. Because our sin has to be paid for in some way or manner. And that penalty is death. And so Jesus stepped in there. He accepted that penalty upon himself. That's the reality of Good Friday. That's the reality that many of us get already. But here's, here's this thing. Uh, here's what I want us to think about. If what happened on Friday was complete... In total, if it was everything that we needed that happened on Friday, then why did Jesus have to rise from the dead? Why did Sunday have to come? If everything that we needed happened on Friday, then why did there have to be a resurrection? Well, I think there's several great answers to that question. And we could spend an entire series, a, a, a message series that goes on for weeks, digging in to all the great truth, the theological depth of what the resurrection means. But there's one thing I just want us to focus on today. One reason that I want us to kind of hone in today on why Jesus had to be resurrected. And that's this. Jesus resurrected to conquer death for himself and for us. 
It wasn't just for him, but it was for us too. See, there's this additional reality that goes beyond the Good Friday experience. Jesus rose from the death to conquer death for himself, but also for us. Easter exists to provide you resurrection power. It provides you power to live with Christ. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus himself appeared to the apostle John in a vision, and Jesus said this. He says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen? Yes. Jesus, like, was preaching so good, he amened himself. You know? He's like, hey, I'm, this is good. Amen, you know? But what that means is just means, so be it. It means this is it. This is, this is the thing. And he says, I have the keys to Hades and to death. I have the keys to hell and the grave. What good are keys? What are they good for? Keys are good for locking and unlocking things. Keys are good. They, they represent power and authority. And it's like Jesus is saying, hey, I resurrected so I could hold the power to unlock death for everyone. Maybe you get the Friday experience. Yes, you're going to heaven. You believe in Jesus. But maybe you're still walking around in your life in destruction and death and misery. And maybe... Prior to today, you've celebrated other Easter's, but you haven't really stepped in to the power of Easter. All throughout the scriptures, God is showing us that he's providing something more for us than just an escape from hell. You know, I, I think in, in kind of recent church history, we've put a great emphasis on escaping from hell and, and trying to you know, convince people that they need Jesus just so they can escape from hell. And although that is a reality, there's a, a reality beyond that. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, Pray that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. And so we're not trying to escape this earth. What we're doing is laying hold of heaven and bringing it here to earth. And so the Apostle Paul said it this way about what we're talking about here. He, he said it to the church in Philippi, he said in Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ. And I think that's where many of us in this room probably are today. But he, he goes beyond that. He goes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resur resurrection. Paul saying, yes, I want to know both. I want to know and believe in Jesus as Lord, but I also want to know what it means to have the same power that raised Christ from the dead to come and live inside of me. So there's a couple of simple questions that we're faced with today. The first question is this. This is what Paul said. I want to know Christ. So the first question for us is, do you know Christ? Do you know him? And if for you, if you're sitting here and today the answer is yes, then awesome, truly awesome. And if you don't know Christ, you can change that today in a moment, in an instant. You can decide that you're going to walk through the threshold onto the path of knowing and following Christ. Just like we saw in that video just a moment ago. We are experiencing this progression of death and destruction. But when Jesus enters the scene, he changes everything. The trajectory of your life can change today. It can be reversed. In one simple decision, you can choose to start down that path following Christ, and you can experience what it means 
to live with your sins forgiven. A lot of us in the room have already experienced that truth. And that's wonderful. So there's another question that is posed to us from this verse that, that Paul writes. And then this question applies to everybody in the room. And that is, is do you know the power of his resurrection? Have you allowed the power of the resurrection to come into your life and confront dead things in your life? Have you allowed the power of the resurrection to look at things in your life that have been ruined, things that have been in decay, things that, that, that stink of death, and breathe life into those things? Some people say, well, I know I, I, know I love God. I know God loves me. I know that I'm going to heaven. I even love my church, but I feel like my life is in ruin. I feel like there's so many things in my life that are dead. And we think that we've got to just settle for that. We think that this is, this is just our lot in life. This is how it's going to be. This is, what it's, this is how things are always going to continue. I'm just going to have to settle for this. But I'm telling you what, when we opened today's service, we sang this song where we repeatedly said, death. Where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? And this comes straight from the scripture. The first time that we see it is from the prophet Isaiah. And then we see it from Hosea. And then the apostle Paul, he kind of, in his letter, his first letter to the Corinthians, he kind of brings it on home. And he's talking about the resurrection of Christ and what that means for you and I. And he says again, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Maybe you thought, man, I know I can be forgiven, but I can never really like, get my life back in order. I can't ever be great again. I've made some poor choices. I've messed up. My life is too scarred. Even if God forgives my choices, it doesn't change the fact that my life is ruined. I've had chances, and I blew it. So many things in my life are just dead. You know, if you look up the word death in the dictionary... It says what you probably think it would say. There's not some like, you know, I'm, I'm about to unveil, unveil some like great revelation right here by telling you the definition of death. This is what it says. It says, the act of dying, the end of life, the total and permanent cessation of vital functions. Some synonyms for death are destruction, obliteration, and ruin. You know, in St. Andrews, Scotland... Any guys in here familiar with St. Andrews, Scotland? Any golfers in the house? Yeah, there we go. Caleb, I see you over there. St. Andrews, Scotland is known throughout the world as the birthplace of golf. You know, the first uh, golf course that's ever, you know, recorded there is like in the 1500s. And, and the course that they had in the 1700s, it still exists today. And people go, and that, that golf course is on the north side of St. Andrews. But on the south side of St. Andrews, there's an ancient cathedral there. I think we've got a picture of it here coming up, yeah. And so there's this ancient cathedral, and this was, was originally started to be built in the 1200s. And it was finished in the early 1300s, and it was consecrated. It was set apart for the, for the use of ministry and for the use of the kingdom of God. And 60 years after it was consecrated, it burned to the ground. But you know what they did? They rebuilt it. And you're looking at it and going, they did? It didn't look like they rebuilt it. <laughs> they rebuilt it. But you know what happened? Something bad happened again. And then it crumbled. And you know what they did? They rebuilt it again. 
And then something bad happened again, and then they rebuilt it. And then something bad happened again, and they rebuilt it, and then something bad happened, and they didn't rebuild it. <laughs> it's profound, right? Sometime in the 1600s, they gave up. And they just said, you know what? It's dead. It's ruined. And I think that this is a picture of what some of our lives feel like. Then you go, I I'll try. But then something bad happens, and it feels like your life is in ruins. It feels like death. And you're like, I'm going to try to get my finances in order. And then the next thing you know it, it feels like you're filing for bankruptcy. I'm going to try to restore my marriage, but it just doesn't seem like you guys can get on the same page. I'm going to try to make some good choices, but I keep messing up again and again. I'm going to try, students. I'm going to try to get good grades. But what's the point now? Because even if I make A's from this point to the end of the semester, those F's can only be pulled up so high, right? <laughs> and so some of us feel that way in our life, almost like we're settling. Because what's the point? Because I can never really fully resurrect this. It's ruined. It's dead. Yes, it is a fact that things in our life can be ruined. It is a fact that some things in our life can experience death unless you have resurrection power. Resurrection power can breathe life into anything that is dead. And only with Jesus we can say, death, where is your sting? Would you say that with me? Death, where is your sting? The Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. And this is a prayer that you and I can adopt into our lives too. And as a matter of fact, over the last few days, I've been praying this for you. I've been praying this over all of you here today. I've been going, God, whoever shows up at Seed Church on Easter Sunday morning, God, I pray this for them. This is from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. It says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe Him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Listen, the power that resurrected Jesus was not just a one-time thing. The power that resurrected Jesus was not just for that one moment in history. It's available to you today. It's available for your marriage. It's available for your finances. It's available for your morals. It's available for your emotions. It's available for your relationships. It's available for your job situation. There are people in this room that can testify to that truth. I hear you over there. <laughs> there are people that are sitting on the same row as you right now that can say, yes, I've experienced that resurrection power. Today, I want to invite you to more than just an Easter service experience. I want to invite you to a spiritual journey. I want you to in, invite you to a journey that many of us in the room that we have been on for, for years or even just for weeks, but we've been on this journey. We're on this journey seeing God resurrect things in our life and rebuild the ruins of our life. And I want to invite you to that. I want to invite you to know death where is your sting becoming a reality in your life. Jesus once went to the temple and when he was there, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. 
And he opened the scroll and he began to read. And as he read this, he ended this and he says, Now this prophecy has been fulfilled this day. So 700 years before Jesus has handed this scroll, the Holy Spirit speaks to the prophet Isaiah and tells him about who the Messiah is and what the Messiah is about. And now here the Messiah is holding the scroll in his hand and he's reading this passage, fulfilling this prophecy, this 700-year-old prophecy. And this is what Jesus read. Let's read it together. And as we read this, I want us to see this spiritual progression and let's consider what it means for our lives. Here in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Now when it says poor here, He's not talking about finances. He's not talking about money. He's talking about somebody that's bankrupt in their soul. And so here in this very first verse, we see this very first step on this spiritual journey. We have the gospel right here. We have the good news right here saying, you don't have to pay for your sins. Jesus is here and he's paid that debt. You don't, have to, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to carry that weight anymore. And the next part is this. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. And so now here we see this, we're being healed of emotional pain and scars in addition to not having to pay for our sin. All, all these things that have been, we've accumulated over the years, over all these things that have been done to us or that we've done that have, that have created this emotional pain and hurt, we're being healed of that now. Jesus continues, and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Now, Jesus is not talking about going over to the Rutherford County Jail over here and just opening all the cell block doors and everybody, you know, running around free. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about are the things that make you feel imprisoned in your life. Again, things that maybe you have done that you're having to wrestle with the implications of the things that you have done, things that other people have done to you that were not even your fault, but you, you're now having to deal with that weight. And Jesus is saying, I want to pardon you from all this feeling of you being weighed down by these shackles. He says, he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, and here, God doesn't just want to save you. He does, but not just that. He's going to heal you, but he doesn't stop there. He wants to pardon you. He doesn't stop there. He wants to take you to a whole other level. He will give you a crown of beauty for ashes. God wants to take all your brokenness and to turn it into something great. He wants to rebuild the cathedral of your life. He says, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. All these things that were broken, all these things that were in ruin, God wants to take all those things and now he wants to make them into become oaks of righteousness. Where people, we, where we were a mess, but now people look at us and instead of seeing our depravity, they see what God has done in our life. And God's still not done. Because now he actually wants to give you purpose and meaning for your life. He wants to use your life for something. He says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Listen, God will take the ruins of your life and rebuild you. And he wants to use you to help rebuild the ruins of others' lives around you. 
Yeah. Listen, Easter's not just an event. It's an invitation to a process. God wants to rebuild and restore your life. Whatever is dead, God can breathe life into it. So what do we do? How do we respond to this good news? I'm glad you asked. Listen, if you're carrying your own sin, if your soul is in decay, if you're currently dying, not just physical death, I'm talking about on the inside, then first, stop dying. <laughs> Again, it reminds me of the, the old mad TV sketch where Bob Newhart is the psychiatrist and the people come in and they're telling him, his, you know, telling him their problems and he's just like, Stop it! <laughs> well, doctor, what do I do about this? Stop it! <laughs> Stop dying. You're like, well, okay, well, that's great. Listen, make a decision right here, today, right now. You can decide in a moment. I'm accepting Jesus' invitation to reverse the narrative of my life. Decide today that instead of your story being one that works itself from life to death, instead it's going to be reversed, and you're going to work it from, that Jesus is going to work it from death to life. His power, you're inviting his power to work in you to, to reverse that and take the current decay and turn the script around and make your life into something amazing. How do we stop dying? Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He's talking about even if he dies a physical death, he'll still live. He'll live spiritually. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. We'll, we'll be alive in Christ, no matter what our physical body is doing. And then Jesus poses this question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's all it takes. You don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops to attain this, to get this. God's not looking for your perfection. He's looking just for you to give him your life and all of its imperfection. Let's stop dying and let's start rebuilding. Rebuilding is a process. It's a journey. You know, the perfect Easter is not about how many people we can, how many people show up for the service. That's not what the Easter is about. The perfect Easter is like, who shows up next week that says, I want to follow on the journey. I want to, I'm coming back because I'm going on the journey. I'm, I'm going to start rebuilding. Listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to make a big ask here. But I promise you, it comes with a, a big reward. Give us your life for a year. Give us your life for a year. Dedicate your life. Not, I'm not just saying to Seeds Church, but to, the, to, to God. And yes, to, the, to, a, to a Christian community. It can be this church. It can be the church down the street. It, that, that's neither here nor there. But if you're in a good life-giving church, and, and you're just starting out on this journey, make a commitment. I'm going to be here for a year. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Where that's supposed to be, whether that's here or somewhere down the road. That doesn't make any difference to me. I just want your life to not be in ruins. I want it to be rebuilt. I want it, what God wants for your life. And so just make the commitment. You know, Sunday services here, this is just like op cracking open the door. 
You know, because you, you can come, you can show up at 9.30, and you can leave at 11 a.m. on the dot. And you can come and you can experience the service and the presence of God here, but then not step into relationship with other people. And that's part of the process. That's part of rebuilding is being in relationship. You know what? Uh, Facebook Live is great. Streaming the services is great. That's all wonderful stuff. You, you, can, you can get some stuff out of that, but that doesn't replace relationship with people. So when we set the table, show up. Here's, here's some times that we set the table every Wednesday night. You know, this next Wednesday night, we're going to have a worship night. You know, some t- we, we have been doing prayer and worship together, but this coming Wednesday night is just a worship night. We're setting the table. Come and connect with God and connect with others. Our other Wednesday nights that are prayer meetings, come, come to the table. Youth group, young adult Bible study, ladies book study, guys nights, uh, men's discipleship group that we're launching here in, in a couple of months, marriage retreat that, that's going to be planned for later this year, come. I think some people wonder, like, they're, they're just like, I, I don't know why church just isn't working for me. Church just doesn't, it's, it's not doing it for me. But it's because they don't, when the table is set and dinner's on the table, they don't come to the table. They come and, they come and eat once a week, maybe. Maybe not even that often. And I'm just saying, come and sit down with us. And let's eat and let's talk and let's be family. I promise, if you do this next time this year, this time next year, or probably even sooner than that, you're going to see some dead things in your life be resurrected. You're going to see some ruins rebuilt. I promise you. So stop dying, start rebuilding, and stop doubting. Believe. Believe in your heart that you can be an oak of righteousness. It's not what you do. It's the power of Christ in you. It's not you, again, dotting all the the I's and crossing all the T's. It's just the power of God in you at work. Believe that God can take all of your brokenness and make it into something beautiful. Stop doubting because God has planted his greatness in you. Believe that as we walk together following Jesus, that you can find freedom, that you can discover your purpose, and that you can make a difference with your life. Stop dying. Start rebuilding. Stop doubting. Start living. What does living look like? I'll tell you what living looks like. Looks like my friend Tim over there. Tim's up there. Tim grew up in one of the hardest neighborhoods in Memphis with no dad. His grandmother raised him. Faced with all kinds of difficulty in his life. And instead of him surrendering his life to drugs and, and gang activity and that whole culture and that whole t- lifestyle, Tim decided to surrender his life to Jesus. And look what the Lord has done with your life, brother. You have a beautiful wife, a beautiful family, and the two of you guys are raising your kids to change the direction of your family tree. And God is using you as you serve here at Seeds Church in in lots of different areas, but one of the areas is with our own youth, imparting into them the things that no one ever imparted into you at that time of life. And you're walking with them as they're following Jesus in this season of your life. That's what living looks like. And that's just one of countless testimonies that are in this room right now. 
Please get this. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Listen. He came so that we can say, Death, where is your sting? Can we do this just for the next few moments? Let's just respect these next few moments and let's be still for a moment. Because we're all at this point, no matter where we are on this journey, we're all facing decision today. No matter where you are. And so do this with me. Just close your eyes for a moment and let's concentrate and lean in to what this moment has for us. Today I know there's people in this room there's those of us in the room that are already in a real relationship with Jesus. And that's wonderful. That's great. I celebrate with you. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. Some of us, it's very vibrant. Some of us, we may even feel like we're in a lull right now in our relationship with Jesus. But you know that you have a real relationship with him. But you might, you might think to yourself, there's still more. There's still more I, I need to experience. There's still more I'm wanting to experience. And what you're wanting to experience is not the accumulation of earthly wealth or power or fame. What you're wanting is more of what God has in store for you. And I want to tell you today that resurrection power continues to make itself available for you to continue to rebuild the ruins in your life, to continue to do things in your life. You're not at a plateau. There is no bottom of the barrel with God. There's others of us in the room today that you would say, you know what, I, I think I'm ready to begin a real relationship with Jesus. Or maybe for some of you, it's, I, I'm ready to restart my real relationship with Jesus. I had one at one time before, but I've, I've kind of walked away from that, and I'm, I'm ready to step toward that again. And if that's you today, I'm going to pray with you here in just a minute, and we can make that proclamation and that decision together and in a moment the trajectory of your life can change and you can know not just the good friday experience but you can also know resurrection sunday then there's some of us that are here in the room today and you just don't know yet you just don't know you need some time and space to consider these things and to you i say that's okay this is a safe place for you to do that. This is a safe community for you to explore and ponder and consider what, what maybe you want to do. And let me just tell you this. Just come and belong. Just come and belong. You don't have to believe first. You can just come and belong first. And then if you choose to believe down the road, great. But either way, you can still belong. And then there's those of us in the room today that you don't even know how you got here. <laughs> you had no intention of coming. And maybe you still have no intention of starting this spiritual journey. And to you, I want to say, there are other people in this room that were just like you. There are, other, there are other people in this room right now that were at that same point that you were. But at some point, they decided to step out beyond fear, step out beyond doubt, and make that decision. And you know what? And they love God, 
They love this church. They love what God's doing in their life. So I just want to tell you this. If that's where you are today, just don't be afraid. I'm not going to try to manipulate you or make you, make you make a decision that you are not ready to make or you don't want to make. It's between you and God. But I just want to tell you and release any kind of fear over your life. Don't be afraid. Whichever one of these I just described, or right now, just go ahead and keep your eyes closed. I just want you to give yourself just a moment to figure out where you are. Some of you know immediately. Some of you are searching and you're wondering, which one of these am I? We're just going to let this moment be still just for a moment for you to decide, and then I'm going to pray. Father, there are people here in this room today that are in the valley of decision. They're trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. God, I just pray that you would touch each and every one of our hearts, that you would touch our minds, that you would give us hope and courage and faith and grace to take steps towards you today. Now, if you're here and you're ready to live with your sins forgiven and you're ready to begin a real relationship with Jesus or maybe restart that relationship with Jesus, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But I would like to know who I'm praying for. And so the way that you can help me do that is right now, if you're ready to make that decision, just simply slip your hand up in the air where, just where I can see. I see that hand. Any, anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? We're not in a hurry. We're not in a rush. Yes, thank you. God, we thank you for these decisions. We thank you. God, I thank you for the ones who want to make this decision, but they just don't have the guts to raise their hand. God, I thank you that you see their heart anyway. Listen, I'm going to pray. I'm going to help you with the words for you to pray. And you can just pray this in your heart. You can even just whisper it right there. And even if you're a believer today in the room and you just want to pray along with us too and just make this reaffirmation of your faith, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you just saying, hey, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you as my Lord and Savior. So here's what we're going to do. You just follow me in this prayer. Just say something like, Jesus, thank you for going to the cross, paying for my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to save me. I surrender my life to you. Come and live inside of me and start this rebuilding process. Come and take all the things in my life that were scarlet, stained scarlet red and come and make them white as snow. Resurrect me to a new life with you. Today, I declare you as Lord and Savior. Amen. 
Lord, I just pray for every person in this room today, no matter where they are in their spiritual journey with you. God, I pray that you would come and meet them wherever they are. Lord, today we rejoice with those who've made the decision to take the step toward having a, a real relationship with you. But Lord, I also pray that you would be here and you would strengthen every believer, that what they've heard today would strengthen their faith, that you can continue to rebuild the ruins of their life, that they could look at death and say, where is your sting? God, I pray that you would do that in our hearts today. Listen, if you just prayed with me today, I want to welcome you to the family of God. I want to welcome you to the family of God. This is the best decision that you can ever make with your life. And you chose to resurrect your life today. You chose to step in to Jesus' resurrection power today on Resurrection Sunday. What a great day to do it.